All right, welcome back to another episode of Trident True. Mitch and I are your host. We have a ton to talk about. There has been awards given out. The 2023, the show cover just got announced literally live here. So uh, we'll give you our instant reaction. We'll talk some uh, Mariners off-season talk as we go into rotations. Are, are the Mariners the top five rotation? Uh, we'll talk about that. And then, you know, the Mariners' big problem that we have in left field and see uh, if we think we figured it out or it's something that's going to be a long-standing problem and then we're going to introduce a new segment called over under so let's kick it off with the awards that were uh, given out earlier this week actually over the weekend um, the MVP award was misspelled uh, sorry Sandy Alcantara uh, your award uh, said I'm pretty sure it said uh, most voluble player not valuable, valuable. so yeah valuable. Most valuable yeah I mean yeah we, we can try and go through that I guess but um, yeah not a great look uh, uh, I posted something on Twitter that was like, I hope Manfred doesn't think this is another piece of metal because he's uh, really into trying to diminish some of the awards that are around uh, the MLB, including our World Series trophy that uh, I hate to remind him is the pinnacle of his sport that he's commissioner over. But uh, Mitch, what do you think about the MVP trophy being misspelled and uh, our boy Sandy Alcantara getting the short end of the stick here? Yeah, I think they also misspelled Verlanders, by the way. So both Cy Young Awards were misspelled. <laughs> Just absolutely perfect. And I also think this would be like kind of a funny thing and, you know, people wouldn't care too much uh, if it was under like any other commissioner. But, you know, because of that one quote from Manfred uh, to where he just like kind of shit on the World Series trophy for whatever fucking reason. Uh, yeah, no, it's it's just an awful look for him yet again. Yeah. Manfred needs all the PR that he can get. And he just keeps like throwing Is Manfred. <laughs> let, let me ask you this and we'll go into a little tangent here, but of the, I guess like three major sports, you've got Roger Goodell, you've got Adam Silver for the NBA and you've got Rob Manfred for the MLB. We'll say three major sports with baseball, football, basketball, of those three, is he the is Manfred the most hated? It has to be Goodell, right? Like Goodell probably takes the cake just because oh, Goodell for sure. He, I, I mean, when you have a whole stadium wearing clown shirts with your face on it, it doesn't. <laughs> I don't think Manfred has reached that level quite yet, but I mean, pretty close. Manfred Manfred has had some pretty black marks. It's not Bud Selig status of like he ushered a whole steroid era bad, but I mean. As a steward of the sport, you got to think that Manfred is one of the top hated commissioners almost ever. Like that, I think he has to be up there. Yeah, absolutely. I think Goodell is more about tradition at this point. You just have to hate Goodell, like you have to hate the Cowboys. Like there's, <laughs> yes. uh, it's kind of unfortunate for him, but like I, I don't know if there's anything in the past few years that like Goodell is like uh, kind of fucked up on, which. Um, yeah, I think he like he, Manfred's he through, really been through the ringer the past like five years or so. Yeah, I feel like Goodell is streaky. Like he'll go through yeah. three or four just horrific 
things that he actually does like goes through there's like there was i mean a time where he literally off of the ray rice stuff then goes into deflate gate then he has like other scandals he's worrying about the nfl is worrying about domestic violence as they should um but they were going through like a rash of players getting into trouble i mean but the past couple of seasons you've heard that a little bit less and less they've really cracked down um as opposed to Manfred, who just, I feel like he's not streaky. He's just consistent. Like he's just consistently like bad for baseball almost. Yeah. So. Yeah. Consistently terrible for sure. Like Goodell, uh, I think the NFL is like moving in a pretty solid, uh, they're going down like a, a good path, but with Manfred and like the MLB, we're still getting in 2022. We're still getting like, I think, uh, there were three different balls that were used this year. So if you if you don't know about this, there was uh, quote unquote juiced balls in 2021, um, where they said because of like COVID restrictions they had to go into some of the stockpiles and bring out some of these heavier balls. I think, uh, and this year they said that's not a problem. That's that's uh, we've completely fixed it. But instead of having uh, a juiced ball and a regular ball this year, they had a third ball enter the mix, which I don't understand how the fuck that even happens. Like, you actually have to be so incompetent to to assure everyone that it's it's going to be completely fine and then have three different balls used. Uh, yeah, I, that, that is just some shit. And then, of course, like, the Astros cheating and, you know, the, the World Series stuff. Like, uh, yeah, brutal. Yeah, you've got juice balls. You've got the Astros cheating. I mean, now he's per- pretty much going to save his legacy on MLB expansion. I think that's pretty much the way that he is going. Um, I think all three commissioner. I think out of all three, Adam Silver is by far the most liked. Adam Silver has ushered the NBA through a ton of controversy, a f- ton of adversity. Um, you know, uh, and, and ri- while riots are going on, things like that, the NBA has really um, been at the forefront of you know some of these the biggest issues. And Adam Silver has has done it perfectly. Um, this is a conversation for another day. But do you think that the commissioner's image is sometimes based on what you see on social media as well? Because to me, and again, this is a bigger conversation. We could probably have it um, as a whole podcast uh, episode, but. What I see as one of the biggest glaring issues for Commissioner Manfred is his inability to get baseball mainstream and to really embrace social media, making sure that home runs are literally instantly on every single social media platform ever to make baseball more widely known, uh, games more publicized. I mean, the NBA is doing such a good job. Like when there's a monster dunk, I see probably 14 posts about it before, you know, the play's even over. Like in, yeah, in, yeah. in the NBA, like releases rights to all the footage because they know that, hey, they may not be making money on the video rights for it, but they're going to be making money on the fans that are coming in because of it, because that's really the front end. Baseball is the opposite where they gatekeep the sport and they hope you pay them to you know be a part of it instead of hoping everybody becomes a fan and then they you know buy jerseys and buy tickets to games and you know buy different things like the MLB packages um and and I think that's one of the biggest indictments on Manfred that I can have is he's really limited the scope of who sees baseball and who doesn't and I think that really that should be one of the major major problems that people have with with Manfred 
Dude, it is actually the most ridiculous shit in the fucking world to want to watch your favorite team play baseball and not be able to. <laughs> and and this is like uh this is systemic. Like this is exactly how they want it to go. Like I I don't actually understand how uh how they think that's like a good idea. And the fact, if you remember the fact that I can move to Alabama and watch the Mariners more than I ever could living in Spokane, Washington is just a direct correlation of how bad that system is. I yeah. understand blackouts, but I also was like, literally take any amount of money you want. I just want to watch the Mariners every night. And I had to have cable TV because Root Sports has this terrible deal. But Root Sports isn't the only regional network that exists for baseball. Like baseball is run on these neat regional networks that are bought by these, you know, smaller market teams. And the Mariners are one of them. So yeah, they, I, they make it incredibly difficult to watch the games. It's 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 completely gatekept by uh by budget. Like some people just can't afford cable, and so if you want to watch, um, there's like other ways to watch other sports that is cheaper than the MLB. Where uh, and I don't know if there's any other um, if there's any other like platform where it's like. Like say you walk into a restaurant. I saw this. I saw this one on Twitter. Uh, you walk into a restaurant and you say like, "I want a burger," and the person, uh, your like waiter goes, "Okay, so to get the burger, you need to actually buy everything off the menu, and then you can like eat your, eat your burger." And it's like, okay, the burger was like ten bucks, but now I got to pay like ninety bucks for the entire menu that I'm just not going to eat. Right. And that that's exactly how that works. That's exactly that is, yeah. how. Uh, cable TV and all that shit works. It's just, it's ridiculous. And also, um, I I think this is kind of telling. Uh, there was a post on Reddit three months ago of a dude who's, uh, he said like, he said like, I'm 15 feet away from Rob Manfred. I'll tell him whatever the top comment says. And some dude, he, he shouts at Rob Manfred and he goes, Hey Rob, if you want the youth and the blackout, dumbass, <laughs> dude is literally right That's fucking so next to him. I think and I've it, seen that video. It's so yeah, funny. It's it's actually perfect because it's it just says everything that uh you know people are thinking. Like we just we want to watch the fucking game. Let us watch the game and the blackout. Yeah, uh, just make it affordable. Like, I I just think of honestly the kids that aren't able to watch a game, and so they're not they're growing up not baseball fans. And if you don't grow up a baseball fan, it's really hard to just like embrace a sport like baseball later on in life. I'll be totally honest. You know, there's people yeah, the that, rules are pretty nuanced, and, and it's a long game. And I know they're trying to shorten yeah. it, and you know, there's not. For somebody who doesn't know baseball, like, you know, and, and it's not like us who is, you know, just waiting on a 2-1 count for a home run or waiting on a 3-1 count or wondering mm-hmm. what they're going to throw 1-2 and seeing where the catcher set up, like, people don't give a shit about that. Like, people want home runs, they want strikeouts, they want excitement, stolen bases, they want to see the game in motion, like, all these things. And, you know, it, it, it's not always like that. And for me, I love that, you know. I can sit there and watch, you know, George Kirby throw 98 and, you know, marvel at it because he's two ticks above what he's usually throwing. So I'm like, man, this kid's amped up today and stuff like that. I can see the break on a slider and be like, wow, it's four inches, you know, more today than it, it was yesterday. So I think that... There, there's things that you just have to do for a casual fan that 
baseball doesn't do. And it's a hundred percent Manfred's fault. Like you are literally the godfather. Now being a commissioner, you're basically the godfather of baseball and he's just not doing things that I, and so, yeah, spelling, uh, spelling the MVP awards is another just tick, <laughs> tick on, tick on the record. So, um, speaking of, uh, getting our youth involved in baseball, uh, jazz Chisholm just got announced as the MLB, the show cover athlete for 2023. We really, some cover artists were doing some incredible work with, uh, Julio potentially being the cover artist or the cover athlete of the year. Um, and so it's sad not to see Julio, but Mitch, your, uh, instant reaction to jazz being the cover athlete. Yeah, I'm going to take a, page out of manfred's book and say it's just a cover um that is like dude that shit is ridiculous i i if you're talking about uh exciting young players you're looking at julio just straight up you're looking at somebody who uh was second in the home run derby like absolutely crushing uh you're looking at somebody who in their rookie year puts up like i think it's like 5.5 war just a a really fun player to root for and uh, uh, watch play. And the the thing I was thinking is like, okay, I mean, Aaron Judge is off like a a record season. Um, there's like no chance Julio gets it. It's it's going to Aaron Judge, Otani, of course, a, like fantastic two way player that we've just never seen before. Um, uh, it, it's got to be one of like those one of those two. And if you know, maybe maybe Julio like ekes it out. Like that would be really cool. But uh, to go to Jazz Chisholm is like actually insane to me. The Marlins are uh, are like just uh, a twenty eighth rank baseball team, and Jazz Chisholm is is a good player. But I yeah, I'd rather see anyone else really. Yeah, it would have been awesome to see Julio or you know the guy who just broke the AL home run record uh and i know yep. he's been on other covers here in the past couple of years so that may not have been an option um and let me just say this just because i don't like jazz chisholm on the cover of uh the show does not mean i do not want him as part of the Mariners. i was on the front lines of saying hey before we go get you know anybody else at second base jazz chisholm because he was like fighting with teammates, I was like, keep sparking the rumors that he's a bad locker room guy and he's like <laughs> bad for baseball. I was like, dude, Depoto's going to get him for absolute pennies on the dollar. Um, and you know, I, I think that we're we're happy with our lineup now. But Jazz was certainly at uh, during the break uh, last year. It was something that I I was interested in for sure. So uh, would have been cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And honestly, a little bit of flair, like JP and chat, JP and Jazz, like back to back there. Like that would have been kind of sick. So dude, that um, infield actually would have been so fun to watch. Oh, so fun. Like, dude, you've got the personalities of Gino, JP, and Jazz. Like, that would have been electric. Like, above all else, we might have not won any games, to be totally honest, but <laughs> it would have been electric as hell. Like, that would have been so much fun. Um, yeah, you can't tell right. me JP is yeah. not going to be, like, fired up watching Jazz just swag out at uh, second base. Dude, for real. Dude, we, for real. we'd get prime JP back for sure. 
Yeah. And, and I mean, hopefully we see prime JP back this year, whether it's on the defensive side or uh, in the box, but um, all right, going on to the Mariners. One thing that we wanted to talk about today and has been circling around of having the best rotation in baseball. So we're going to say it's the starting rotation, but we're also going to talk about some bullpen items here. Um, but the Mariners currently were, are ranked as the number eight team or in rotation uh according to fan graphs for the 2023 season uh mitch and i honestly think that that's egregiously low to be totally honest like we were going through the list and there are some powerhouse teams like i think that you and i both agree that the mets and the yankees are pretty much one two they obviously pay for it with verlander and verlander um uh, signing with the Mets this year. I mean, it just makes them even better. Um, and then of course, Garrett Cole leading the Yankees. It makes the Yankees uh, a lot better. And so they're, they're the clear cut number one and two. We'll concede that. But after that, three through eight really are a total toss up to me. Um, you, the, you've got the Braves in there. You've got the Dodgers. You've got the Astros. You got the Phillies in there. Um, and <clears throat> one of the teams that people think is like walking on water is the Blue Jays. And I don't necessarily think the Blue Jays team is bad, but we're talking about a top five rotation in the league. I think the Mariners, if I had to pick one, I would actually pick the Mariners to have a lower rotation ERA than the Blue Jays um, at the end of the 2023 season. But uh, Mitch, what do you think about the Mariners being a top five rotation in baseball? Is that even possible? Is this a homer take? I uh, would love to know your thoughts. Yeah, I think a lot of Mariners fans are really, really high on the Mariners uh, for 2023. Um, A little higher than they should be if we're talking realistically. Um, But I think... If you're if you're looking at a team like the Blue Jays being over the Mariners, you're only looking at their top three, and you're not looking at like the the five as a whole. Like Yusei Kikuchi is a liability. Uh, Jose Barrios also a liability. Their top three are fantastic for sure, but I I don't think they stack up with the Mariners, and I'd rather have the the steady um, four point one. Uh, Marco Gonzalez at the five spot, and then like a solid three, five, and below from then on. Uh, I like the Dodgers in at three. I think you were right about the Yankees and the Mets being the one and two. Um, Dodgers in at three. Um, If we're only talking starting rotations, I would say the Braves and the Astros are higher. I like the Mariners in at, I think, six. Um, And the Phillies... The Phillies and the Blue Jays just behind them. Um, But if we bring in the bullpen, the Mariners' bullpen is, like, absolutely disgusting. I don't think... uh, I I really hope people aren't sleeping on the Mariners' bullpen. I think they're a top-three bullpen in the MLB, and I think they're what is going to carry them to either a five-spot or a four-spot. Now there's a lot of... You know, the... I think the floor is decently high for the Mariners, but the ceiling is, like is ridiculous. If Kirby has a, a really good year this year, uh, and it's not just a, a rookie fluke year, um, if Logan Gilbert can expand upon his progress over the last two years, uh, if Louis Castillo can um, can maintain his spot as a number one ace, and if Robbie Ray can, uh, can bring his sinker into the mix and, uh, and you know, be a, a solid three, that would be, that would be fantastic for the M's. 
Yeah, I totally agree. Um, and, and honestly, the Mariners even talking about being in the same breath as a top five rotation that we just mentioned there. I think Ooh, that so it sick. speaks to it speaks to like how good that rotation could be. And I totally agree about the bullpen. I think one guy that is not being talked about enough is Casey Sadler. He had to sit out last year with True. Uh, yeah. torn UCL, um, and we saw Paul Seawall do very well. We saw Munoz, who is arguably a top three reliever in the game. Um, people want to you know troll us for Edwin Diaz, but Edwin Diaz is now getting paid twenty plus mil a year. So Munoz is getting paid less than two million a year. And he almost has the same production as Diaz. So, you know, mm-hmm. I think that even though Diaz, yes, I agree, is a, a better slotted for that team, like the Mariners were never going to pay him that 20 plus million dollars. It was just never going to happen. So um, I think that that factors in. But I, I really want people to remember Casey Sadler is waiting in the wings to make a big impact for the Mariners. And um yeah, and honestly, it kind of just seemed like our bullpen was banged up for the most part of last year, but we pieced together an incredible year for the bullpen ERA-wise, and uh, you saw you know, our bullpen come through time and time again, including in the playoffs where you know they, they pitched their ass off. So I expect our bullpen to be really good, but I mean, this rotation is filthy. And, and I truly do believe, like, <laughs> like, this sounds crazy, we could become a top three rotation by the end of the year if Gilbert and Kirby take that next step. Um, barring Bryce Miller <clears throat> coming in and, you know, just wreaking havoc, you could see a, you know, Castillo, Kirby, Gilbert, uh, Ray, Miller, top five in the rotation by July, August. And that, to me, should be very scary for other teams. Like, it, that should... I agree, yeah. That I mean... They're going to be good this year, but I'm thinking about next year when, you know, Kirby Gilbert and Bryce Miller all make make the team out of camp. Um, there's going to be some problems, and we're not even talking yet about Emerson Hancock, who could or make Taylor the, Dollard, yeah, or Taylor Dollard, who both could make the rotation and potentially be back in bullpen or not back in front end bullpen guys uh, if we really need them to. So, <laughs> just mm-hmm. just an embarrassment of riches uh, in the arms department for the Mariners. Um, that being said, the Mariners have a lot of holes, which take us to our next uh, topic of uh, the problem we have in left field, and you Ooh. will not. You will not find a podcast that is higher on Jared <laughs> Kelnick than the Trident Drew podcast. Like, I promise you, you will not find it. Uh, I believe that Bryce or uh, Bryce, uh, Jared Kelnick is going to hit over 250 this year. We'll talk about our over unders a little bit later and set out expectations, but you truly will not find another person or another podcast that is as high on Jared Kelnick as this podcast. That being said, realistically, let's talk about it, right? You have Jared Kelnick, you have Trammell, and now you got AJ Pollock that are all going to potentially have reps in left field. That to me is a problem. <laughs> like you have Teo Oscar Hernandez, who is not known for his defensive prowess. And then you've got Julio, who obviously is damn near a gold glove center fielder already. Um, but besides that, your outfield defensively is not very good. And even at the plate, we're looking at a glaring hole in left field. And Teo Oscar Hernandez, who we're really putting a lot on his shoulders to be somebody uh, that he may not be. You know, he's been, he's had some injury concerns and things like that. And so you may be looking at two corner outfield spots that need to be filled. And if you're looking at AJ Pollock, um, Trammell and Jared Kelnick to fill those with the subset of, you know, Dylan Moore and Haggerty involved in there, 
how are we feeling about our our corner outfield positions going into 2023 and Mitch give me give me your top three guys who you're gonna, going to say are going to take the most reps in left field, uh, and then a couple that may switch over to right field to give Hernandez a day off or maybe fill a spot when he's DHing. Yeah, um, dude. Honestly, I'm I'm pretty chill with uh, with how I see our outfield right now because I know if if anything goes wrong, Trader Jerry is going to go out there before the trade deadline and get us a, a two fifty bat that can uh, that can fill the spot. Um, this is obviously a do or die year for Jared Kellenick. I would love, I would love nothing more than to see him do well. I don't, I honestly don't even know what happens if he, uh, if he puts up the same numbers, like do they, does he get DFA'd? Like, is he, is he just dropped? Like what, I, I don't really know what's going to go on with him, but, um, in the event that Jared Kellenick does well, we're going to be seeing, uh, we're going to be seeing Haggerty and Trammell fill in on those off days for Teo Oscar and Julio and uh and Kellenic. If Kellenic flops and uh and has a, another rough season, um we're gonna be seeing uh I, I think Pollock is gonna be DHing. I, I I really don't know what's gonna be happening with this roster. I think Pollock's gonna be DHing at the start of the season. Um if Kellenic falls out of the order though, I think Pollock is gonna be the Starting left fielder, and then um, they'll have uh, Listella, and um, yeah, they'll have Listella in some random DH order uh, with Haggerty, Dylan Moore, or uh, Haggerty and Trammell, uh filling in with Pollock. Uh, now the issue I see here is Haggerty and Pollock are lefty; uh, they're lefty killers. These guys, uh, these guys both destroy lefties. So we don't really have a righty killer in left field. It, it would be nice, um, but that's just not really what we're working with. Uh, if Kellenic does well, he's going to get the most reps, and it's going to be Haggerty and Trammell. If Kellenic does poorly, it's going to be Pollock. It's still going to be Pollock, Haggerty, Trammell. Um, but as it stands now, I, I think Kellenic for sure gets the most at-bats. Yeah, I I agree, and and we're talking about worst case scenario here, right? Like if yeah. Kelnick is not the guy in left field, which it would be like if Kelnick plays 140 games and hits 230, I think that that's a massive step forward for the kid. Like he's 23 years old, everybody wants to you know walk on his grave and say he's done, blah blah blah. The kid is 23 years old. And he yep. is, he's still very early in his career. I still think that he has a lot of game left. He is a product of COVID where he didn't have that many reps in 2020, uh, came out in 2021 and struggled, came out in 2022 and really played the majority of the year in AAA. And so he's really just had a bad shake. Like he just has. And so, yeah, I, you know, I think he's kind of a mentality sort of player too. Like he, he yeah. seems to get in his own head a little bit. Um, so yeah, I, I think you're right, which speaks to, he needs confidence. And so you build his confidence. I mean, the kid hit o- almost 300 in triple a. Um, and so I think that that was a great year for him to actually grow. If he can hit 300 in triple a, there's no, no problem that he has the ability to hit over 250 in the MLB at some point in the MLB. It's not like triple a is like some, other world besides MLB. Obviously the MLB has much better arms, much better scouting reports, but at the same time, like you can see the ability when he goes down to triple a and he looks like Barry bonds because he's hitting 
you know, 30 plus home runs in, you know, less than a hundred games. Like that's, that's crazy. So you can see the talent. Um, I will say, uh, if, if we had to mix and match here, I'm very confident in the Taylor Trammell against righties and AJ Pollock in Sam Haggerty against lefties. Like, Mm-hmm. I think yeah. that that is actually not a bad mix and match. Um, <laughs> shout out to Jerry Depoto though, uh, for making Scott services job just like incredibly hard. <laughs> like we don't have these like cornerstone players in every position that like he can just trot out every night and he just like blindly fills out a lineup card. Like the poor bastard that, you know, uh, Scott services in his clubhouse in his manager, like office, in the clubhouse, just sitting there every night being like, oh my God, like I have to watch tape again. I have to figure out <laughs> who to start in left field. Like I have to figure out who's DHing tonight. Like the poor guy I, every night has to like eke out a lineup. And in, in like while the Yankees trot out the same lineup 150 times a year with 12 <laughs> games of like mix so and true. match. And Aaron Boone is sitting there just like eating Cheetos, um, you know, taking people out when he shouldn't. And so, and and like Jerry's like trader Jerry is trying to like do the lefty righty matchups and all of this, this good stuff. And Scott service is just sweating every single game while Jerry is like tinkering with the lineup and service is having to just piece all this together um, because he doesn't have those like guys necessarily Mm -hmm. uh, that he can just play. (laughs) <laughs> I love the visual of Surveyus like with a checklist, like going through all the scenarios and like Robbie Ray versus Jordan <laughs> X. <laughs> Where he's just like, oh, okay, we're not going to do that one. Yeah, we, uh, all, we, we all, like, we don't have to go back in time, but we can all agree, like, that was not it. Like, I don't yeah, care that, what the- I don't care what the analytics told you. Everybody in the stadium and watching on TV knew as soon as Robbie Ray came in, it was over. The game yeah, was I, over. Absolutely. I wonder if he had just like even Astros fans. By the way, by the way, were like, "Dude, I was so jacked to see Robbie Ray come into the game," which is just like uh, that is hilariously bad. Uh, but I wonder if Robbie Ray just like did a line of coke in the bathroom real quick, came back and was like, "Coach, you really got to put me in here. I think I can do it." Like, I don't know. I, he has some blackmail on service because there's no way you put Robbie Ray in that position. I get it. Yeah, Left young, so blah 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 blah. But like, you could just tell. Like when Robbie Ray went out and got shelled by the Blue Jays, and then that's his next appearance is standing in front of Jordan Alvarez to essentially go down two zero. Like, I mean. Throws him out, throws him an inside in the zone, 93 mile per hour meatball, straight to right field. That shit is gone. Make no mistake, that was hit 500 feet. Like, (laughs) that was, when off the bat, off the bat, I can honestly say I turned off the TV. Like, I I was sitting there watching. As soon as that pitch was made, I literally, like, turned the TV off because I was like, that's out of here. Like, Yeah, no kidding. Because that, yeah. Going back to it a little bit, though, uh, Looking, yeah, you're right. Like I, the Mariners have never had this amount of depth uh, in their in their fucking lives, dude. The organization has has never seen this before. You go to the bullpen, there's there's too much. You go to the starting rotation, there's too much. You go to the uh, you go to the infield, outfield, there's too much. There's too much depth in there, uh, which is a fantastic problem to have. I I'm excited to have this problem. Uh, usually the SOG gets to the Mariners, and all of a sudden, you know, like we're 
we're down a few star players and uh you know a 67 win season is incoming uh but yeah that's no longer the case thank god uh yeah and people are dude people online people on twitter listen up the lineup that we go with on opening day does not have to be the lineup that we go with on game 162. Like yep. people people are still fighting about Chris Flexen and Marco Gonzalez. Listen, I let, let me save you some time here. They are both going to pitch over 100 innings. I would argue to say they're probably both going to pitch over 150 innings this year. Like if you're on the Marco side, if you're on the Flexen side, guess what? Nobody gives a shit because one of them is either going to be sitting out a couple of games. One of them is mm. going to be the front of the bullpen. One of them is going to uh, randomly get hurt like that. That is totally plausible for what we're doing. One of the God forbid, one of the four uh, starters that we have on the front end of the rotation get hurt. And one of them has to step in. Wouldn't you rather these guys step in? Then, you know, somebody that we didn't argue about that is now like being picked up. Tommy Malone is starting games for the Mariners. Freaking Justice Sheffield is starting games. Holy shit. Preach. By the way, just, Justice, Justice Sheffield clearing waivers is one of the most surprising but saddest things I've ever seen. <laughs> he went from being a coveted prospect to getting dropped by the Mariners and nobody zero teams picking him up off the waiver wire. I mean, that is honestly breaks my heart for justice Sheffield. Like I'm glad he's coming back. I'm glad we got old chef coming back, but it's like guys. Yeah. I really do feel bad. Yeah. He, man, the, the Yankees uh, prospects are just like all over the fucking place. It is so hard to see if like one's going to pan out or not. Um, uh, Yeah. I just... It's not. It's not hard anymore. The Yankees suck at producing players. Like the Yankees will always minus be... Judge. I think I'm pretty sure they drafted was, him. But I'm pretty sure Judge. Like, don't quote me on this, but I don't think Judge was like a draft pick though, or like he was still in a trade. They just got him in like Double A. He might have been. He might have been. But that's like. I can go down the list of Yankee, like look at Clint Frazier and these guys that they trade for even prospects they trade for. And still they're, it just never trade with the Yankees. Their prospects suck. Yeah. (laughs) Like that, that is, that is just use that as a tool for being a GM to your team. Never trade with the Yankees unless they're trading away one of their top end, either hitters or, rotation guys that absolutely dude trade with the mariners man you get your chris taylors you get your taiwan walkers your Cattell martes dude one guy that keeps popping up and he's just like he's a a journeyman now but bryce or uh yeah isn't bryce miller bryce miller no not bryce uh what's his name um it's miller his last name is miller um he's a shortstop um gosh i can't remember his first name but he, Brad Miller? Brad Miller. Yep, that's him. It is, yeah. Good old Brad Miller with the stirrups. Um, Dude, what? He's Brad still Miller. playing? No, he's not just still playing. Like He's like an impact bat against righties. Dude. Like, he played. He's played for the Phillies, the Brewers. I've seen him play for the Rangers. He's a journeyman, but he still finds his way onto a lineup every single year. That it's crazy. It's absolutely fascinating, but shout out to the like 2000, 
13, 14 Mariners where we had Nick, <laughs> Nick Franklin, Brad Miller, just a plethora of absolute busts. Dustin Ackley was on that squad. Oh, you know, my shout God. Out, shout out those guys. You could actually go down the line from like 2009 to 2014 and just look at all the dog shit that we drafted in the first round. It is it is so bad to look at. Horrible. Horrible. Dude, also and, shout and out the to Secret Agent. The, the worst one is freaking uh, Dustin Ackley ahead of oh, ahead yeah. of Mike Trout. Shout out, shout out, uh, uh, our, shout out Jack Z, who everybody wants to like say is like the Mariners' best GM because he signed Cano and all those guys. But shout out him for passing up Mike Trout for yeah, Dustin. That Ackley. dude was a bum, absolute bum, dude. But yeah, Brad Miller, secret agent, by the way, minus one point six WAR for the Rangers last year. <laughs> He's still putting up numbers for the M's, dude. Dude, shout out uh, Brad Miller too, because I just looked it up, and he's made he's gonna be uh, his career earnings uh, after 10, 10 seasons. By the way, shout out him thirty million dollars, just a finesse. Wow. he's God just damn. finesse. Him, the Mariners, Rays, Brewers, Indians, who are now the Guardians, uh, the Phillies, Cardinals, Phillies again. Now two, he just signed a two year 10 million dollar deal with the rangers shout out brad miller i need his agent to be my life coach i think <laughs> Dude, that that Dude, guy's who, a miracle worker who signs brad miller to a two-year 10 million dollar deal who does that <laughs> who does that that's that fucking is, sick and then you go and sign Corey seager and marcus Sim- simeon like make that make sense mm-hmm. can, can somebody please get us in contact with brad miller's agent i need him Dude, now yeah speaking of i think uh, people are sleeping on the Rangers a little bit. I just want to go over this briefly. Uh, the Rangers got some pretty decent upgrades this offseason. Decent being an understatement for somebody like DeGrom. Um, and also their pitching rotation changed a lot. I think they got three new pitchers and they kept two from last year. Um, but they should be hoisting a... 80 plus win team next year, like bare minimum. I I think they're going to be looking at like 85 ish wins. Um, The AL West is about to be very, very competitive in my opinion. God, I hope so. Like I actually do hope so. Dude, same. Yeah. I I love the competition in the AL West. I hope, I hope there's like four teams that, four teams that are really like vying for a playoff appearance. It just sucks. Like knowing that we have the Oakland A's, like, so it's just a default, like just sandbagger of the AL West. Like we almost can't afford. I mean, it's awesome for the Mariners because we're going to run through teams, it feels like. But I also (laughs) loved the old AL West days where it was like, the Mariners were good in 2001. The Oakland A's were good in 2001. The Rangers were good. Like all of these teams were awesome in the AL West. Like the baseball is great when the AL West is good. And the AL West really, uh, besides the Astros, obviously, who were an NL Central team, you know, until they came over in late 2000s, um, who were just an absolute punching bag for <laughs> so many teams. Mm-hmm. Um, but besides the Astros, I mean, it's been it's been a minute since. We've seen like really competitive baseball, unless you're the Oakland A's and you scrap to the playoffs and get just like defeated and swept fashion. So, all right, let's uh let's go over to the over unders. Mitch, what do you got for us? Okay, over unders. Uh, new segment. Uh, you tell me. Um, I tell you a prompt, and then you tell me over under on whether you think it will happen or not. 
So Louis Castillo gets uh, top five in signing voting over under. Ooh, I am going to say under because I think he's going to be a top 10 arm, but I think that Castillo, uh, I don't want to predict injury, but I think Castillo is not going to throw as many innings as people think he is going to um, Mm -hmm. because he's not going to need to, and that's a good thing. So I think our starting rotation is going to be so good, and I think our bullpen is going to be even better potentially that Luis Castillo is actually not going to throw as many innings. Um, And with the Tommy John like caveats on his contracts, I think the Mariners do have some uh, physical – issues with some of uh, Luis Castillo's uh, reports that have come back. So I don't think they're going to push him to that 200, 225 innings limit that you may see. I think that we see 160 to 180 innings thrown by Castillo, putting him out of that, out of that top five Cy Young race. But I still think he's going to be very good, uh, which will crack the top 10. So that is my under, uh, although it's not uh, a bad thing. Mariners fans can get off my back. I think that we actually have another pitcher that may be in the top five. So we might have two top 10 pitchers. I I actually kind of like that take. I didn't, I haven't really thought about it like that. Um, I, I thought he was phenomenal last year. And if he, you know, uh, didn't switch leagues. It could have been a little bit different. Maybe he gotten a vote or two, but uh, yeah, I, I think I'm going to have to agree with you. I don't think he's going to have to put nearly as, as many innings up as one might think. You got Chris Flexen, Marco Gonzalez eating up innings. Uh, you got like a bullpen with an insane amount of depth. Yeah, I, I think you're right. Yeah. Uh, all right, next one. We got three Mariners pitchers. Have a sub ERA of three point one. I am going to go over, but I think it's going to be right on the number. So I think it's going to be three. So if we set the line at two and a half, I would take over. If we set the line at three, I'm going to still say over, but I'm going to say it's probably going to push. I think that um, I think that Castillo, Gilbert, and Castillo, Gilbert, and Kirby all have a shot at getting that sub 3 1 ERA. I think Robbie Ray is what he is. Like, he's mm-hmm. not, I don't think he's going to go back to Cy Young form. I think we got him literally at the peak of the market. Shout out NFTs and cryptocurrencies. <laughs> uh, that is Robbie Ray to a T. Oh, like, we bought him at the top and we have, you know, just held him all the way down. Um, but I think, I don't think Robbie Ray is going to be bad either. Like, as much shit as he gets, I think he's going to post a 3 5 to a 3 6 ERA, be very formal hold a lot of innings for us and be a workhorse for us. And I think that's okay. Like you need those guys in your rotation. So um, I'm going to say over, but again, I think it's going to be three. I think it's going to be those three Gilbert Kirby and Luis Castillo. Although three, one, like if we're looking at three, three, one ERAs, like we're looking at winning, you know, 88 games plus uh, I'm sure that that projection is really high for games, games one in 2023. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think Robbie Ray can be kind of a dark horse in that 3-1 push. But um, you're for sure looking at uh, Luis Castillo, fucking uh, George Kirby, and Logan Gilbert as uh, as the three that um, have the biggest chance to do it. Um, I didn't want to say three ERA, like a sub three, just because it felt a little more daunting than a 3-1. I don't know why. Um, But... I, I think for sure Luis Castillo and Gilbert do it this year. Uh, George Kirby is my only holdout on that. Um, 
and I'm gonna Here, say here's the crazy part is I think I think Kirby is going to lead the Mariners in strikeouts and have the third best ERA. Does that make sense? It does. Yeah, like, I think he's going to strike out a lot of a lot of people, but I also think Kirby gives up a lot of home runs. So, like, I think that he potentially will get in trouble with the ERA. Um, you know, at that three, one level, although like he's going to lead the team in strikeouts, um, Mm -hmm. which is great. Obviously, if you have Luis Castillo, Gilbert and Ray on your squad and you're leading the team with strikeouts, uh, in your second year in the league, I'll take it. I'll take it. I, I kind of agree with that. I think, I think Kirby has a little bit of an ego to him, which isn't a bad thing, by the way. I just think, uh, I think he's going to be going out uh, for those pitch outs and those strikeouts, more than somebody like Robbie Ray is. Robbie Ray is going to be, you know, uh, going for some ground outs, uh, a few put outs. But um, yeah, I, I think you're kind of right on that. Um, I, I'm going to say, I'm going to say they do it though. I'm going to say Kirby Gilbert and Luis Castillo all go sub three one. And real quick, I want to touch on this. Robbie Ray last year had, uh, with his four seamer and slider, he had. A two-two uh, opponent batting average with his four-seamer, and a one-eight with his uh, slider. Now with his sinker, he had a uh, three hundred. The opponent batting average was three hundred with his uh, sinker. And if he can get that under control, because those are his top three pitches, and if he can never throw a curveball ever again, I think Robbie Ray actually has a chance of of kind of coming back and showing some signs of uh, of his past Cy Young self. I just don't think it's that probable. So uh, I'm still going to say the Mariners do it, though. Yeah, I love it. Um, all right, next one. Kellenic bats above 230 with 20 home runs. Yeah, I'm going to do you one better. I think he's going to hit over 240, and he's going to hit uh, 20 home runs. So, yeah, I think uh, I actually looked at a fan fan graphs projection, and he's listed at about 223 with 17 home runs, which, dude, to be, to be completely honest, like, so I'm going to take the over on yours, um, but I – I would take the 223. <laughs> like, yeah. I, like if you go look at his stats, I mean, he's a career 180 hitter at this point. And we're not looking at, I, I said sample size in the beginning, and I still want to give him that benefit of the doubt, but we're, we're harboring on, we do have a sample size. <laughs> like we're really, we're really touching the bounds of like, what does a sample size actually mean? Um, and with a 141 batting average in 2022, uh, in almost 200 at bats, you know you are what what it, your record says you are here. So I think uh, he's he's in the danger zone for sure. But I'm yeah. going to say over. Okay. Yeah. Uh, so I am going to go under with Kellenic batting 220, 25 home runs. I think I think Kellenic is a um is he's he's a power hitter. I just I just love the image of thinking of Kellenic as like I don't know how tall he is, but he I know he's not that tall. Let's let's see. Oh, he's six one, so he's a little bit taller than I thought he was. But mm-hmm. the image of Kellenic just becoming like just a like 
a boomer bust kind of hitter it kind of makes me laugh because he is pretty athletic and he should be able to steal bases and he should be able to do all these things but thinking of him as just like a swing for the fences or yeah. strikeout guy. a eugenio suarez type player <laughs> yeah like that makes me laugh so hard of like he's just in the nine hole like swinging for the fences like not his obp is literally his batting average Dude, what, yeah what's hilarious. funny is he's like he does hit for power and he is kind of slow Dude had a negative 1.6 D war in 2021, by the way, (laughs) which hold on, hold on, hold on everyone. He had 0.3 last year. So we saw big strides in his defense. Everybody it's called improvement. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but I think, uh, no, he, he definitely has power. Jared Kellenick has a lot of power and it's funny when people talk about like, strengths and weaknesses of players like you look at somebody like Haggerty who just really struggles against right-handed pitching you look at Kellenick and it's you don't get this problem often but the dude literally cannot hit a single off-speed pitch period he he can't he's incapable if you look at his splits it's like I think against like a a slider or like a sinker he has like a 0.06 batting average It's yeah, we're we're not even in the point ones yet. We're we're getting there, but uh, and then again, I mean, like, you, can, you can tell like when he gets an O two counts, like he is absolutely oh, fucked. Yeah, like yeah. he is he is in a bad spot. Like there are hitters where you go O two, you're like, man, I hope he fights. Like Cal Raleigh is mm-hmm. a good example. Like when he's O two, JP Crawford, yeah, JP Crawford's good at this. Like they'll foul a couple of pitches <laughs> off. They might they might punch out, but still, they they. Kelnick is a three strike or he, he is a three pitch hitter and yeah. that is not a good thing. Like, <laughs> and the problem is he'll miss three straight pitches. Like he'll, he'll swing and miss three, three times. And it's just slider, slider, slider and see, ya. we'll go, we'll go on to the next. And so, I mean, if he could find a way to hit off speed at some point, he's going to be so damn good. Cause he his eyes light up when he sees fastballs, and that's why his AAA average is so so damn good because they just feed him fastballs all day down there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, and I think uh, uh, it's you look at you look at somebody like JP Crawford, and he goes down like O two, and it's it, he's in a he's like meditating at the plate. Everything's fine, you know. He's he's like Buddha, like nothing can phase that guy. And then uh, you look at. Uh, Kellenick, and it's like he's already fucking lost. He's struck out. He's literally walking back to the dugout and no two. He's still thinking about the strikeout from like Sunday and it's Friday. Yeah, <laughs> you know? like, yeah that's I, the guy that we're dealing with right now. Yeah, yeah. And I, honestly, dude, I I can't wait to see him tear it up because I think he will, and I hope he will. Um, but yeah, I'm gonna go uh 25 homers, uh 220 batting average, which would put him at a decent spot in the batting order and i think that'd be perfectly fine mariners fans would be happy with it um now the final actually no no no. we we got two more here's the next one jerry gets another 260 bat before the trade deadline over under um i'm gonna say under i i think the the trade deadline I, we might all have PTSD from last year and those players may not may or may not work out that we traded Cincinnati. But I think that just the sheer amount of prospect capital that you have to have at the deadline to be able to get even a decent piece, like a 260 hitter uh, is astronomical. 
So I'm going to mm-hmm. say under. I'm going to say that Trader Jerry, uh, you know, it gets locked in a closet for all of July and doesn't doesn't uh, give away our, our prospect capital. But I just, I mean, having three prospects in the top 100 barely doesn't really do it for me, totally honest. Like, I, I just, like, yes, I'd be willing to just uh, flush the farm, but it, we're at a point where I don't, I don't know if we can. So I don't think we're willing to give away Harry Ford or Emerson Hancock or Bryce Miller for yeah. any one one player right now, unless it's a very attractive, um, you know. But giving up Noel V. Marte and those guys like that that hurt for sure. So I'm going to say under. I am actually going to go over on this one. I think. I think Jerry itches at the thought of just making some sweet ass trade. I think we have, uh, I think we have depth pieces. Um, we have a, a bullpen just uh, ripe for the picking. If you're, I think if you're a team looking at the Mariners, you're you're thinking like, okay, uh, the Mariners would go for this. That, how often do you think that Jerry Depoto is in a trade simulator, just like showing his wife, and his wife's like, I, <laughs> I don't give a shit. Like, Dude's on MLB The Show making like a dynasty and shit. Uh, like, honestly, what, probably. What if we traded Robbie Ray plus these six prospects to get Verlander and Scherzer? And his wife's like, go to bed. <laughs> dude, if I were to guess, that dude eats, sleeps, and breathes Mariners baseball. Oh, I, yeah. I, I, yeah, dude, 100%. He, was, uh, he was at a Kraken game, and I saw a picture of him. And he was wearing like a backwards hat and a hockey jersey. He looked like he, that was the first time he's been outside in like <laughs> – eight months like i'm not even kidding like he looks like a cool guy like listening to interviews and stuff he seems like a cool guy but he also seems like somebody who does not leave his office unless there's like food outside he just stays inside of his office kind of like it's a jail cell so i'm sure his wife sees him probably like 13 times a year maybe for holidays and birthdays it actually reminded me of the steve buscemi hello fellow kids memes (laughs) where where he's got the backwards hat and the skateboard for real also, if you're wearing a fitted backwards hat, it's time to reevaluate some things. Yeah, like, dude, it, come on, you. Come on. Come on. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, yeah. And okay. Jerry did, um, and, and not only that, it wasn't a flat bill either. Like, it was like a fitted curved bill hat. Shout out, <laughs> shout out Jerry DePoto. Swag. Dude, he, he's trying, man. He's, he's, he's going out there. appreciate the hustle. Putting on the fit. Um, but yeah, I think, uh, I think we have some serious holes in, uh, in the DH. In the left field spot, I think if one of those doesn't pan out, and uh, you know Tommy Lasella is batting 160 or Pollock is having a rough season, uh, you you get any of that or Kellenick, of course, is is having a down season. Um, you're you're picking up a bat for sure, and I think one of those is kind of likely. The Mariners have a lot of depth, a lot of prospects to dip into. Um, I actually think it's likely that uh, Jerry picks up a bat at the trade deadline. Um, so I'm going to go over. Yeah, I don't hate that. Like if we're if we're really going for it and we're really trading for pieces, like that means that Jerry thinks we're close. So yeah, I, I don't. I don't hate that. Like, and I don't hate a late season postseason push. Like I, I've been a mm-hmm. fan of that. But just seeing what we had to do for Luis Castillo last year, I that was heavy. That was no doubt. Oh that yeah, was for sure. Heavy, heavy handed trade that, um, you know, some, some baseball, uh, experts and baseball writers were like, wow, we were like really overpaid. So, and you know, but I, I think that shows that four years. So 
Yeah, absolutely. I I think that shows that Jerry has the balls, though. He's ready to like go out and do some of that shit that that needs yeah. done. You know, we're we're fielding Marco and Flexen at the four and five, and all of a sudden you're like, oh, okay, what are we uh, what are we doing here? You know, like we. I, all I wonder is how close. Like, I was so frustrated this off season, to be honest, just because of the lack like. Trading is awesome, and you know, go Jerry for being Trader Jerry. But you know what's better? Not having to give away prospects and just spending the freaking money on getting players that you want. And there, the amount of good prospect or good free agents that were out there this offseason really frustrated me because I was just sitting here like, man, like these are good pieces that we could have if only uh, John Stanton would. You know, break out the old pocketbook, and we Dude. could we could get some of these. I mean, the Mariners are not going to crack the top fifteen in salaries to begin the year, and I think that that honestly is embarrassing. And I get it, we're top ten in twenty twenty four salaries, blah 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 blah. Like, I get it. Like, there's so many arguments. We got a lot of young players we're going to have to pay, but you know, look at the we'll look at what the Braves are doing, things like that. Like. Their their starting nine is signed until like twenty twenty nine. Like they're building something yeah. there. So I get frustrated when people try to like argue about not signing free agents. Free agents cost money, yes, but they also cost no draft capital, no prospect capital, and that should be important. So, dude, I I wanted to see a a Mitch Haniger DH signing. I wanted to see a JD Martinez. Dude, nobody talked about it, but we we didn't even want to bring Nelly back. And Nelson Cruz would have been a impact bat. Like, if we, yeah. and I think he only signed for like ten mil or something like that. So would have like, been so not... easy. And uh, like these Mariners <laughs> favorites type players that uh, that everyone would have loved to see come back. Uh, we Dude, just... imagine imagine if halfway through the year we were like struggling with uh, our infield and. Cano is just knocking on the door like, hey, remember me? Dude, please. You guys are still no, paying man. me. You guys still pay me. Like I can still hit two ten for you and like fill a DH spot. Like, hey. Yeah. But yeah, I I'm not asking for like a forty mil Verlander one year contract. I'm I'm looking for like a like a uh ten mil JD Martinez or like a fifteen mil Mitch Haniger. Would have would have really liked to see something like that. Especially with how Haniger's been with us through like all the Kind of shit years, to be honest. Like he's yeah, agree. He's been like a bright spot. Um, all right, on to the final one, and this is a big one. Over under, the Mariners bring back player commercials. Over, I I'm pretty sure they've like Fuck, teased yeah. them right. So like, I would love for them to bring them back too. Those player commercials slapped. And guess what? We were good when they were doing player commercials. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that I would say over. Like Dude. let let's see it. I looked at a playlist because they they post them all on YouTube and they actually were doing them up until like 2019. I just hadn't seen them because they honestly they got like kind of bad. Like the the ones that I remember are like Fernando Rodney, like where uh, it's called like where do you think it goes when he's like doing the arrow shit and it like pops like some bouncy house or something in like a neighborhood. Um, then there was like hot corner and all that shit. Like, oh, dude, those were so good. In 2019, you got like arts and crafts with the boys, and it, it was just kind of <laughs> like, <laughs> which is still funny. But like, uh, I, I just like to see something more creative, and I want to see Mariners commercials. Please, please, yeah, Depoto, bring them back. if you're listening, Every, everybody wants them. Yep, president of Mariners operations, we need Mariners commercials back. I need Julio in there. More Julio content, please. 
Cool. Is that all we got for over-unders? That's all we got. Cool. All right. We're going to bring this segment back every single week, but um, it's awesome to do some of those over-unders. And that's going to do it for us at Trident True. We'll see you guys next Tuesday. We're stoked. Uh, We're getting closer to the season. I believe once this drops, it will be 58 days until opening day for the Seattle Mariners. So once the season starts, we're going to do a bunch of fun things. But even spring training, we're stoked to bring more content, give you guys updates on some of the spring training stuff that we're seeing. Uh, There's some position battles that are definitely going to happen um and i'm excited for it we talked about left field position today but i think that there's a couple others that may be surprises for people uh once people get spring training invites but uh don't be surprised if there's a couple of veterans in spring training that we didn't expect uh jerry has a few tricks up his sleeve but we'll see you guys next tuesday that's it for us here at tried and true absolutely peace out